I don't know if anyone actually does. Maybe our friends in the UK actually. Radio, online radio. Oh, yeah. My friend Brittany tuned in last week. She said, I have a very soothing voice. (laughs) So (laughs) did she stay awake for the show? (laughs) She said that you have a very nice voice, too. Aw, see, that's nice. It's... I think generally speaking, Joel, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that most people who actually listen to the show are, <laughs> it will compliment us on it. Positive but. reviews. No one's given us any feedback, though, which would be nice. I think the number one feedback is keep doing what you're doing because it's obviously great. You're the best. <laughs> All right. Check. Nothing's going to ever take you down. <laughs> As I a Michael Jackson. Tell rendition. me uh, what's going on with uh, Megasip. Did you pick it up? No. You're, you're putting salt in my wounds that... <laughs> I, it's, I don't think it's come up on that show, or maybe it did briefly, but there's a uh, – if you if anyone has actually listened to the show on consecutive occasions, you may have heard that we are fond of a game called Advanced Civilization that neither is own. It's a grail game. It's out of print. Um, and I think maybe if you're very fortunate and you can go to some of these um, sort of conventions or buy-sells, somebody like an old grognard will just like – you'll like turn the, the corner and there will be this man there just holding a cop and says, my son – this is yours now. <laughs> and then you have to carry the burden. Of... It'll probably be in some kind of like silk bag. Yeah. yeah. And it, it's, it, you open it like the, the light just fingers like. fingers are trembling. Yeah. And, and it's like you can, everything else kind of goes quiet. And you can hear every, it, everyone stops in the background, frozen in place like in the Matrix when Morpheus says, were you, were you listening to me, Neo? Yeah. A beam comes through the window directly <laughs> onto you and the game. So it's a good game. <laughs> And uh, But you can't get it by normal means. So there's this version of the game called Mega Civilization put out by these guys that um, I thought they were in Texas, but the, the web, like whatever company they're with is based out of Europe. And uh, they have a game called Mega Civilization, which I think comes in a, a big wooden box, and it's advanced civ times two, basically. <laughs> so it fits up to 18 people. The, what's the base set? 18. Is it seven for uh, a base? Well, with the expansion? Yeah, I want to say seven. Yeah. Um, so this game here is possibly copyright infringing, but I think the whole civilization thing is kind of ambiguous at this point for some people. But, but nobody's making the other one anyway. No one's making the other one. Which and just drives us nuts. Which is we I, could do it. We could do it. You don't have to call it. You could just <laughs> steal it. Just steal the mechanics. <laughs> I don't understand why. Someone, if you're listening and you know anything about game copyright issues, Please, please call me, email me, send me a carrier pigeon. Uh, Hashtag Android. I don't know how. I wouldn't check how that. How does the Twitter work? <laughs> Android. Actually, that's a good point. We'll show the Twitter uh, at AD Radio CFRU. And also, if you look on our Instagram page, which is far more popular because it's run by uh, my girlfriend and she actually knows how to use social media beyond me. I keep getting follows from, from big time gamers now. Really? That's cool. I've, I've noticed yeah, well, a couple. But. I know that I'm tagged in your Instagram posts, mm-hmm. and like maybe twice a week or three times a week, I get you'll X see followers. Gamer yeah. is now following you, and they have like some thousand people, and I have like three. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, sure, I'll take it. Yeah. yeah, and I'd like to point out too that it's as somebody who considers himself an amateur photographer, I think that people, generally speaking, have. Like Instagram has just made every picture you take look great. Yeah. It, with an, with just a decent angle and the the lenses that come in cameras, they it's tough to justify whipping out the DSLR and spending an hour in Lightroom to make your picture of uh, <laughs> a couple of meeples worth. No it. work required. No work required. But um, anyway, got off tangent on Megasiv, and the bottom line is that the they've put out this product that's incredible and it scratches the itch of civilization as a purchasable 
product and it's got even more stuff in there. The only problem is the price tag is 350 Canadian dollar dues, which is which is atrocious, absolutely atrocious. Now, not necessarily so in the context of what you're getting. I think the the game is just chock full of stuff and considering how lackluster some splatter titles are when it comes to production values and costs that you can it doesn't take too much for me to wrap my head around the the production issues of it, but uh, at the end of the day, three showed up at Board Game Bliss, two sold immediately, one sat there taunting me, and I was telling Joel, I'm looking at him, looking at him, hitting F5, just wondering, just wondering. And then, I wasn't joking when I said I'd pay you to buy it. I, I wasn't sure you were joking. I was trying to figure out how much I could give you where it wasn't like, okay, we own this together, because cause I didn't want that. I didn't want to, like it's the, a weird the thing burden to, yeah, of yeah. a shared game, because yeah. then what if one of us moves or god forbid we're no longer friends well that's coming Joel, eventually. <laughs> yeah, the inevitable uh one of these games is gonna break us i think the it's the <laughs> the issue is a game like that is it's tough to share it's even though you're the one of the only people i know who has ever heard of the game with <laughs> with in my immediate circle yeah, friends circle um something like I have no problems if you like let's take Pandemic Legacy Season 2 that to me sounds like something that why not split it within a group of people if you yep. if you know these everyone's gonna be playing this game together what's the big deal unless you have no problem just slapping down 90 bucks on it which whatever big deal up to you uh, but some like a grail game that you kind of want to it's like yeah. my precious could be worth a lot more one day you know? yeah an investment uh. well you never know right it's like some of these old out of print games they're still if you, people are even selling them even but uh, at the end high end collector uh, collectors are I think we talked about this bit in the, the show before that but was hilarious let's talk about that again the what the, the video scum, game collectors these guys that go around and hiring people copies. to destroy copies of video games because they want to dra- ra- raise uh, their prices there can be only one there can only one and you don't want to play it you just want your want to sit there imagining its value you're never going to sell it but that's another I don't know if comic book collectors are as bad as that I think there are just so few copies that you're not destroying them if you find another copy of it you're picking it up and keeping it with you but that's like baseball cards hockey cards um, coins you're not destroying the ones <laughs> like what I don't know I don't understand it once well, again Jack why why sell it when you know your your mom's not charging rent <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a good point. <laughs> you don't need to make money on it. It just appreciates. Yep. It's a uh, opposite def- this opposite deflationary. Anyway. Uh we got off on a terrible terrible <laughs> What track are here. we talking about? Uh so Megasiv, no, I don't have it. No, we don't have it because if we did, I'd be scheduling something. Um I will put out a cryptic hint that I may have acquired something from the states today that Ooh. uh will not show up soon, but uh, is waiting for me or my loved ones when they, <laughs> when they visit the <laughs> mailbox in Buffalo, New York to to bring it in. Nice. Um, and I think it'll be something that everyone will enjoy. But that's all I'm saying on the subject until Does it, it end up. with four? It ends with none of your business. Ah! I hope so. And the mystery will just remain <laughs> there. Uh, so, Joel, tell us where you've been and why I should give a damn about anything you've been up to lately. I went away to the far reaches of... The frozen tundra that is Winnipeg. I hate Winnipeg. <laughs> is that a real song? Yeah. I believe it. <laughs> Although I had a good time. Yeah. Uh, the the weather held out and it stayed relatively warm at negative 7 to 10. That's not and bad for Winnipeg. Yeah. You have to walk along the Assiniboine, walked right down the river, saw where it joins with the red and 
Um, had some beers, played some croca curl. Croca curl? Croca curl. It's uh, cro- as you know, croconol. Great game. Uh, imagine they ported it into a life-size version where you have oh, curling rocks and come on, really things you flick. Yeah, it's very popular in Winnipeg. Uh, they had a free version because it was a festival all over there. Okay. And when we came out from drinking our beers, lo and behold, the long line was gone and nobody was playing. And walked right on. Nice. So when you say life-size crokinole, is that like the it, it's is it a hex, hex, hexagonal ice rink and you've got. Uh, I don't know, wooden posts? You said it, yeah. And there's a curling house in the middle, uh-huh. which is just crokinole points, basically. You know, yeah. The closer you are, the better. In the middle, if you hit the button, there's like a little dip in the there's ice. There's actual dip. Yeah. Wow. And uh, if you're on that, that's 20 points, and your rock's clear, just like regular. So crokinole. how much fun was it? It was great, yeah. Uh, Sam was complaining. <laughs> Sam was saying that her side of the ice was too rough, <laughs> and that's why she couldn't get to the middle. <laughs> I knew better, but I couldn't say. <laughs> Did her computer not come with Windows uh, yeah, photo viewer either? Come with photo. Yeah, it. You know, it's possible, and then it's uh, maybe she had somebody uh, who had previously been playing on that side who had been like, I don't know, taking sandpaper to the bottom of their uh, rocks and tossing them. But I don't understand. But game-wise, I don't know about you, but ours was a very light weekend. We played with a lot of non-gamers, so we were teaching them, and so we kept it light. So we played a little King Domino. Perfect. How'd that go? Great, great, great. Mm -hmm. Loved it. So easy to teach. Um, Put things together. Yeah. More crowns make better. You can just throw your tiles down and say, this is what your goal is. Yeah. This is how it scores. Mm -hmm. Um, Played a little Machikoro. Bright Lights, Big City. Okay. Are you still convinced it's like the final version of the game? I think so. Uh, there's some weird cards in it that uh, maybe you just don't even want to buy, but uh, for the most part, the classic cards are there. I still like the original where you could buy everything. It's like Dominion style, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, Magic Cards is one of those games that it, was, it worked, but it was broken from the get-go. And yeah. that it, they had the, the, mar- the, the non-market row where it was just everything was available, Dominion style, yeah. so you could do that. But the problem is that you just convenience stored. And yeah. that was like, oh, <laughs> oh, this is better than that's everything better else. than buying everything else. It's like it was the still the pre tuna boat world, so you still yeah. didn't know what to buy in the high end. But tuna boats, man, and that's like it, we we could probably talk about Magic Core for a while. Is <laughs> and it's a game that it outlives its, its welcome very I'm not quickly. Sure if it was play tested. <laughs> no, I but I don't know. It's a cute game that I think is probably an entry level. Like sort of like yeah, very be, simple. Don't overthink it and just try to have fun. But you should almost set a timer. If it goes longer than f- half an hour, forty-five minutes, something's gone wrong with Machikoro. And it reminds me of Cosmic Encounter. Like try yeah. not to take it seriously. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's it's a game that rewards you just having fun with it and just yeah. don't overthink it. Don't spend an hour agonizing your decision. It's not going to matter. <laughs> Nothing matters. <laughs> Nothing matters, <laughs> man. Just take it easy. <laughs> just just relax. Yeah. Breathe. Close your eyes. Oh jeez! Count to seven. Wait, are you doing the the commercial from this the, for the car? I don't know. A Matthew McConaughey. Or something. Oh, I thought you were doing like that mm, god awful Star Wars I was car in commercial. Bentley. No, oh, <laughs> he, Lincoln. 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 Yeah. I, I wanted to buy a Lincoln. I drove a Lincoln. <laughs> Man, he's a handsome fellow. Why should I not trust him? That's right. Anyway. Um, but Magic what I wanted Orum. to talk about was yep. that we went to a game cafe. 
Okay. Uh, we checked out. Um, it's called uh, Over the Table, I think, and it's huge, massive collection, massive. How uh, many games do you venue. think? Venue. I would say probably around two thousand. Oh, maybe more. Oh my God. Prices a little more expensive, and we talked uh, about Toronto. About uh, snakes and lattes has up themselves to eight. It looks like this place is doing six. A six dollar sit down of a cover, so it's not the end of the world. No. But this is the kicker that really got me: a three dollar three hour time limit. Whoa, a time limit, yeah. and then you have to repay. Not sure what happens. I, either they kick you out or you have to repay. I can't I'm assuming you have to repay. <laughs> this this has to be a time limit thing that maybe because you you posted a picture of like a McDonald's sign that said no loitering at like thirty minutes time. Right. And to me, that sign doesn't sound like. My interpretation was that it's more of a, a CMA type thing where it's where you can be there for way past half an hour, but if they don't like you, then they can reserve the right to you're violating the sign, get out. Whereas Very this, possible. Yeah. With this three hour thing you're talking about, I feel like it's if it's busy and they've seen you in there for too long, or maybe you're just wasting time. I don't know. Like, I assume that if they have free tables, they probably wouldn't be too strict about it. But yeah. it seems like the kind of place that is so popular. It was that that they're doing reservations, and if you don't oh have a God. reservation on a popular day, you can forget about it. It's Dorcia's. Yeah, it's Dorcia for games. Oh my god! Okay, so go on. I'm I'm really intrigued at a place that's so busy. <laughs> yeah, so it was really really good. Uh, I really enjoyed. It. I I ordered a chocolate milk. Okay. Nice tall glass of chocolate milk for three dollars. Okay, not and, not a bad price. Uh, sat down and taught Sam key flower. Oh, how'd that go? Fantastic. A little daunting at first because I only played it once or twice. And you know it's when you're flipping than through it a rule book yeah, and yeah. somebody's like, mm, "This is a lot." Uh, but Sam is not the kind of person to to balk at a game, so yeah. she was a good sport. And eventually, I remembered the rules and taught them. It's it's way simpler than you think. It's just there's a couple of little fringe cases where you're a little confused by the iconography, or maybe like, oh, how does the transporting of goods? I find is like tricky. Yeah. It's the trickiest part of it all. And it ended up being forty to thirty nine. Really close game. Really good game. Super close. And uh, yeah, she she's definitely up to play it again. Keyflower, for those of you who don't know, yeah, here we is go. your definitive worker placement. Oh, All you do is place workers. And there are multiple things because it's not just worker <clears throat> placement in the doing the job, mm -hmm. but you can also place workers to get more things to do the job. So every season, there's a spring, summer, fall, and winter, there will be tiles placed in the middle. <clears throat> and these are all just think of any worker placement you've ever played things you can do mm -hmm. and when you place your worker uh on the outside you are bidding on it if you place it on top you do the action uh the way it works is at the end of the season anything you've won as far as bidding you can then take anything that you've placed on top of a bidding tile is a prize for the person <laughs> who won the tile so you better hope that it's you uh and then anything you place on somebody else's tile they take is that about sum it up, Jack? Yeah, I'd say so. It's um, like you said, it's a worker placement. Your, your workers are your bidding tools. So um, the main, the tricky part of the game isn't just that uh, everyone has the same color workers. You need to use the same color workers as the other person. So let's say I start bidding on this tile using blue meeples. Uh, that means you can only bid on this tile using blue meeples as well. So if you uh, have been paying attention to other people or you notice that so-and-so, because something else is you know what meeples, what people are having, 
or grabbing every turn. It's one of these kind of questionable things when we get into perfect information or not that if I have a perfect memory, I know exactly how many meeples you have. And I can kind of say, okay, well, let's, I saw Joel spend a lot of blue meeples last time, and he didn't get any back, and he only has one this time. So I'm going to put one guy down here, and I know Joel can't outbid me anymore because he has no more of the correct colors here. So, and you can kind of go on like this, and there's the special green meeple, which is very difficult to acquire. And if you put that down, unless someone else has taken the time to get green meeples, which is can be very expensive and time-consuming, you've more or less locked down that tile Dibs. with one worker. Yep. Or one, yeah, one person. And it, the you're balancing acquiring more stuff related, because at the start of the game, you get these winter tiles you look at. And essentially, they're kind of um, what you should be aiming for. Something points be, the points, and but the, even the trickiest part is they're not guaranteed. So you can put those down, and you've been building your entire game towards this, and you can still get sniped on somebody these tiles if somebody outbids you. If you are, that doesn't mean you can't necessarily work around it, but you have to be careful. You have to be very, very careful with what you're doing, and uh, it's over faster than you think because there's only four rounds, and um, I've only ever played it two players, maybe three player once. And even at two-player, it is just uh, it is cutthroat. Cutthroat, cutthroat, yeah. cutthroat. Another interesting thing is you can also bid, aside from everything that's in the middle, on the go first and the, mm-hmm. turn, and the pick order. Uh, and when you go first, you will be picking from these boats that arrive each season. And the boats are full of people and skills. Yeah. And the skills are usually key for upgrades mm-hmm. on your tiles, which I, we haven't mentioned yet. But each tile has a function, <clears throat> and then it's a... If you pay X, this function gets better. Mm-hmm. And the really cool thing is that, like I said, you can place on other people's tiles. So they'll put all this work into upgrading a tile. And then you just come along with your whatever odd colored worker and yeah. place it on their tile. Not only do you get their action just by giving up a worker, but now they have to place two workers in order to do the same That's thing. Right. And maybe they don't have that two of that color. Of the color they need that to bid or, or they've already bid Exactly. And maybe in a higher multiplayer game, by the time it gets back to them, there's no... Because there is a limit. You can't just keep adding more and more. There's the maximum of three players who can land on a single action. So one, then two, then three meeples to do it. Which I've never seen anyone do a three meeple thing, except at the end of the game when you're really grinding out some sort of... Uh, Desperation, yeah. yeah. Especially with movement. I found <clears throat> the movement was really limited, at least in our game. But mm-hmm. it depends on what the tiles come up. In a two-player game, you only do six tiles. Yeah. And the, this is another part, too. And it, we're we're not... I don't want to sell this as a very complicated game because it isn't. There's a lot of good decisions to make, and that's the mark mm-hmm. of a good game. Um, but just ha- it's not like one of these games, like let's say <clears throat> Scythe, where you have all your resources. It doesn't matter where they are; you can use them anywhere. They just exist in this sort of vacuum of uh, like this this giant pocket you just pull stuff out of. In Keyflower, it is extremely important that resources are in certain places that can be joined by roads within a certain amount because you have to have the movement. Uh, so your, your horses get tired after certain spaces unless you upgrade your your horse to go further or farther. And laying the tiles properly in your village is very important because everything has to be joined by roads if you want to use that stuff. And Always upgrading, tricky for me. It's, it's <laughs> tile placement. <No! laughs> These beautiful hexes. I love hexes. this game, but... <laughs> and the artwork is adorable. Um, maybe a little, maybe a little uh, light for some people because it's got this very... Um, it's very sort of whimsical um, colonial era 
almost cartoony, almost cartoon aesthetic, but it's it's very pretty, very light, and there's nothing. If you look at the game from the outside, you say, "Oh, this looks lovely," and then you play it and you start to sharpen your knife because some <laughs> this is yeah. the second time you've gotten outbid on something, and you don't lose yeah. your workers when you've been outbid either. You can move them somewhere else. It's it's you've got a lot of options. It's not mean mean and that punishes you for making a bad decision it just mean that people can do mean things to you oh yeah and um i'd say that given all the choice mm-hmm. uh and this is this isn't a criticism of the game mm-hmm. but it's definitely a downside is that if somebody has analysis paralysis oh yeah you are given the choice to use any of your opponent's tiles use any of the middle tiles mm-hmm. use any of your tiles or bid and there's no order to that. It's all at the same time. Yep. So really every time you make a decision, it's a huge decision and you're giving up a lot of other choices. Mm-hmm. Whereas in a game like say sometimes you've it's linear. It's pre-programmed. You've yeah. got what you need to do. Mm-hmm. This one you can do any number of things. And that's uh, bringing up a more logistical complaint of it is that in uh, in two players it's not as bad, but I'm not nearly good enough in the game to really care too much about what other people have in their villages. In, in most cases, I've already got what I need, and if I didn't get what I need, I'm very aware of where it went, <laughs> and I'm going to be keeping an <laughs> eye on it. it. And, but in a larger player account, I think it'd be very difficult to kind of look at everyone's village around. Like you're just to like, can you imagine playing? What does it go up to six people? I've played six people. Playing six people, keeping an eye on six different villages going. It's that's it's a nightmare. Insane. So it's like you almost have to like set up the chess clock and just kind of go from there. Yeah. But plus winning bids can. Oh really my god! Be <laughs> 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 it, It's like get bumped in cyclades. It's a pain getting bumped in keyflower with six people. Not oh my god! At least you can move your things around. At least yeah. So you have the option, like I said, when, if you get outbid, you have the option to you have to take all of them. And if it's the same color as another bid, you can subsidize that bid with those guys if you really want to lock it down. But it is. Uh, it's a lovely, lovely game, and it's—I don't think it's—it's it's not cheap. It's not expensive. It's kind of—it operates right in that middle ground. But for the, yeah. the components are, I think, very suitable, and there are two expansions as well that I have not played with. So, yeah, I would absolutely recommend Keyflower to anybody that's got some experience with worker placement. Mm. Don't buy it. This is not entry game. level. <laughs> no, no. But if you like worker placement, which I realized when I was thinking about my top ten the other day, <clears throat> maybe four of them are worker placements. Mm. Um, so I love Key Flower. Yeah. I would give it uh, 11 out of 12 uh, poor starving immigrants coming across. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no food mechanics, so I'll, I'll give it um, I'll give it uh, 10 out of 12 industrious uh, multicolored meeples making their way to magical lands. Beautiful. Yeah, it's much more ideal. <laughs> well, well uh, I've talked my weekend to death what did you do this weekend or what have you been playing lately um so it's been a combination of some computer games and some uh board games i'll do the board game stuff first so we had people over on uh saturday and uh, we got to play some stuff and we started with uh i'll let you pick what do you think the two games we played uh as entry level things with uh vegas baby vegas baby vegas was number one Start with that. Everyone has a good time. Everyone figures it out quickly, and you have a, a ball. And then, um, then we move to code names with four people. It's fine. Everyone had a good time. And then the third one, it, it's odd. I find it's it's tricky to find something that's because we want a bit more crunch, but we don't want to go balls to the wall with like <laughs> knocking somebody down. And what do you think we went with? Oh, my next guess was going to be code names. Um, <laughs> uh, Stone Age. 
No, no. We did Scythe. Scythe. Nice. And the reason is just because I think Kale and I were both feeling a bit of an itch for something that was slightly heavier, but it's simple enough that it's not like it's not that bad to kind of for a person who's newer to the game like my friend coworker Garrett who came over and okay. uh, and Victoria never played it before too so um, they both took to it pretty Oh, well. actually, I remember Kayla told me about this. Let's see if you agree with her analysis. She said that she played for Gareth more or less. She quarterbacked him, and then she played her own game, and she tied herself. Yeah, that's. Uh, I would agree with that because I was trying to do my own thing, but Garrett was asking her half the time, like, what should I do here? I don't. What should I do? And then Kayla was providing some advice, so there was some <laughs> some two <laughs> optimal moves being played here, I suppose. But. Yeah. It's not to say that he did poorly. I was really impressed with how well he did. To me. And, and so she didn't advise him to attack her. No. <laughs> <laughs> it was There was no fights because she was the one playing... No fights. She was the one playing Saxony, and I thought for sure she was going to start some things. But I think she said she was being... T- she wanted to be nice and didn't feel like scaring people away, which is fine because she was racking up stars like crazy. I couldn't believe it. I, I had... Rusviet mechanical and it was a painful experience where none of my stuff was especially good nothing of value was like right out of my my gate and my starting area and it was just oh my god it's like <laughs> so it's like four turns before I can do something of note and it was just very frustrating but um uh my then what I want to say about Scythe is that after all the times we've played it I think teaching it is a pain an absolute pain to new people because and I'm not sure if we brought this up before, but the way the different player boards function is an, a nightmare to teach because everything is different. So you're trying to explain to, you're saying, Joel, so you take if you move, you can do this thing down mm, here. Yeah. And then uh, meanwhile, I'm o- and uh, someone's over here saying, but my, my thing under here is different and yeah. it's not in the same column. And it's, oh, jeez. It's almost like you have to teach everything in a bubble. Oh, my God. It's just, it's not a very painless experience in yep. general I, I think it was just it's very frustrating once people get going it's fine but at the beginning I just like oh. which on the flip side is one of the best parts of the game is that each time you play you line up a race with a worker board and yeah. it makes it so that you if you've played it 20 times you're still not sure what to do yeah. <laughs> you know yeah you still have to look and that's when I was say- talking about the mechanical and Rootsby and stuff like that's still when you just do the random draw from the get-go, although I guess some people play, they pick things. But to me, that's just, uh, that's, that's not fun, whatever. But it, it's it's just, I'm trying to figure out a quick, like I need to have like a, f- a simple way to explain, because the mechanics, you can explain that no problem. But the actual, like the inter- interacting with somebody's new to games and trying to explain how the boards function is just, I think it's a fairly painful experience. And maybe yeah. I'm just shit at uh, doing my explanations, but either way, I can, I can yeah. <laughs> chalk it up. Um, so anyway, that's the board game stuff. Kayla did, and I did learn a game the other day <clears throat> called Vikings, which I know it sounds extremely original and uh, uh, confusing, but it's a game by Michael Kiesling, who has uh, him and Kiesling and Kramer have done a lot of great things together. Kiesling himself, I think, did Sensuchi, which we talked about um, a little while ago. And it's a very similar game in that you're building roots uh, basically across, and you have this board with a series of tiles of different types. Uh, the, they're all like kind of island tiles. Some connect this way, some connect that way. Um, and then you've got these colored Vikings that are all around. And each colored Viking represents a certain profession. Like one's a warrior, one is a noble, one is a fisherman. 
And the trick is that when you take a tile and each one, and you have got this spinning wheel with various numbers lined up around the side, and the cheapest is zero and the most expensive is eleven. And you can buy any one of them if you can afford it. Uh, but obviously you want to buy the cheaper ones because 11, spending $11 is crazy unless you really, really need it. And whenever you take one of these tiles and these Vikings, you put the tile onto your board wherever you want. But if you put the tile in a place that matches the color of the Viking you've taken, you're allowed to put that Viking immediately onto that spot. And that means the Viking's eligible for scoring when the scoring round comes, which is every other round. Um, if you don't put it in the right spot, you put it up at the top. And you'll have an option to move them down um, every two rounds using some of these other types of Vikings, but it's a, qu a limited resource. So you can't just like, oh, I don't care. I'm going to move them all down later. It does take some effort to uh, set it up. And the other part, too, is that you have these boats that show up. Now, the boats you're almost always going to encounter. And what happens is you have to put the boats at the top, and you're allowed for the first three to kind of put them where you want of the first three, but after that they have to go tru -tru 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 sequentially. And any tile where there's a boat in the column, or any column with a boat in it, without a warrior, scores no points. So no. you need to be able to get warriors and put them onto here, but warriors are often not associated only with boats. So when you take a boat tile, there's nowhere to put the warrior because there's no island to put them on. So thematically, are you fighting these boats? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's like, I guess it represents rival Viking tribes coming after your uh, I don't know, women. Arch archipelago, <laughs> your women, <laughs> your, your fish. <laughs> Just like people are coming Slabs for your things. Meat. Slabs of meat. So it's, it is a very simple game with that it's very, I think it's very simple to score lots of points. So it's, it, I think it'll come down similar to Sensuchi to like razor thin margins for the most part. But it was very quick and cute. And I think it, it's just one of these games that you, when you see it from a design standpoint, you think, wow, that's, that's pretty cool that somebody came up with this and play tested it and made it work. But, um, Vikings by Michael Kiesling. Is it primarily a worker placement then? Um, I'd say it's primarily tile placement. The mm. workers no! are associated with the the tiles. So when you if you put the tile down in the right place, you can put your worker down. Is the board modular, or is it set and then you add tiles to it? It's it's a set board in the sense that the rows are always the same thing. So the the top row will always be boats. The second one warriors. Third one nobles. Um, then you have scouts. Then you have gold uh, gold miners, and then you have fishermen. So that's always static. After that, um, always static. That's redundant. Uh, after that, it's up to you where you want to put stuff. And if you put them in the right column, like I said, you get to use the Viking associated with that column. If you don't, you can put it there. And sometimes you need to because you want to fill up. Like you need to put that thing there so you can put your warrior down later to stop the boat from screwing up your scoring or uh, or whatnot. So it gets into a little more... I'd say it's like Carcassonne light in the sense that you're trying to connect tiles in a way to um, make it so that you can actually put your workers down and score the points. And there's a lot of different scoring mechanics too, like, oh, the longest uninterrupted island or the most uh, fishermen you've got going. Features, no. Features, that's right. So, All right, so the moment you said Carcassonne light, I stopped listening. Yeah, it's. <laughs> it, I'm, I'm pushing it by saying that, but I just mean more in the sense of like you, you have to pay attention to how tiles connected and which hmm. tiles you're buying. So just like in Carcassonne, you're not just... Well, I guess you are just randomly drawing the tiles, but I mean where you're placing them is significant. You're not just like, yep. oop, oop, just dumping them down. So um, if I had to give it a rating after one play, I'd give it... Um, I'll give it six and a half screaming Viking warriors attacking a boat out of ten. Not bad, not bad. Yeah. So it's it's 
It's perfectly fine. It's a pass, yeah, it's, folks. It's fine. So, and it, I think the main reason I picked it up is because of the name, and also because I think it's been out of print for a bit, a little bit, or a little difficult to find. And I thought, eh, it's I'll give it a shot. So. Always a always a um, pull for you, eh? Yeah, just you can't can't risk it, Joel. Can't risk it leaving again. I never see it again. Yeah. Um, and after that, I'll just say, been replaying Resident Evil's like crazy on the computer. Oh yeah. <laughs> the game, I even busted out the GameCube the other day too. Uh, play some ever, RE2. Does it ever scare you? No, it's not scary anymore. It's more frustrating. Although uh, the remake on the computer over, I guess, GameCube and PS3, PS4, whatever, is pretty frightening still. It looks, the graphics are scary and the, the sound and um, it's a game that just is aged like wine, the, the original remake. Nice. Uh, what do you think is the scariest game you ever played? Scariest game I ever played? Uh, do you know? do know. Well, something comes to mind for me, and I don't even know what it's called. All right, well, describe it. Was, Maybe we can work um, through it. There was a really difficult PlayStation game, and I think we only had a demo. Remember those demo discs? Oh, I loved them. Fantastic. In the back of, like, PlayStation. Well, I didn't own a PlayStation, but PlayStation PC Gamer magazine, had. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, You had a camera as your weapon. Okay, and I'm you already. you to take photos was of it Fatal Frame? in order to kill them. It's Fatal Frame, 100%. Probably. Yeah. That is a very good game. <laughs> yeah. And scary because you have no way to defend yourself. Yeah, and it's there's a lot of kind of jump scares, and um, the, the atmosphere is very ominous. The, mm-hmm. I've got the second one and the third one for the PS2. The first one I never played, so you've got me there, Joel. Nice. <laughs> you played the demo. <laughs> I played the demo and described it. I don't know what I would even say the scariest game I ever played was. It's it's. I think if you'd asked me a while ago, I would have said something like Silent Hill 2, just because in sh- for sheer spookiness and disturbing themes and uh, yeah. and there's and I I've, if you know me at all, I love abandoned places and uh, the nothing makes me more entertaining than or more happy than imagining like going through a place that is just totally abandoned with a flashlight. <laughs> like, typical weekend for Jack. Typical just weekend. breaking into an abandoned warehouse <laughs> and wandering around. Asylums, uh, hospitals, just go from there. But um, Resident Evil isn't scary. It's an action game, but it can be frightening at times. Yeah. Maybe so, Starcraft. Starcraft, that could be frightening. Terrifying. Dude, All there... of a sudden you see uh, you've matched up with a Korean. <laughs> <laughs> is that possible in North American servers? Yeah, you could play in the Korean uh, With the ping? Are you out of your mind? Sometimes, you know. <laughs> you just gotta go for it. On that note, we're gonna take a musical break. We'll be back in a second.
Back to CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was DJ Aphrodite Bomber. Some old school drum and bass. You can almost see the English club where it's being played in, uh, I don't know, 1995. What a legendary year for drum and bass. Uh, I, I'm not even sure where you're supposed to buy this album aside from uh, spending a lot of time searching for this sort of stuff. But I picked it up on... Uh, some goofy like six CD drum and bass collection specifically for this and another song basically but there's some other tracks in there they just start to blend into each other after a while that's my problem I love drum and bass though I saw our good friend Andrea who works here mm-hmm. incidentally um, is uh, posted about uh, Lord of the Rings soundtrack the full OST is coming out on vinyl <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> just as good right I mean. it's important to hear the uh <laughs> Lord of the Rings soundtrack. Yeah, <laughs> you hear that that bacon Re-enact sizzle, the whole thing, <laughs> the cracks and the pops. Of, <laughs> and what is it like? Twenty LPs. <laughs> this is actually the. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> Oh my, I can almost see uh, Kate Blanchett <laughs> yeah. narrating some sort of... Galadriel. Glad- Listen to you, you're... <laughs> I, I like Lord of the Rings, but I am not nearly... like I, I'm not a Tolkien buff by any stretch. I think mm. the world is cool, and I think it's incredible how deep some of these stories go, and how you can... Like, when you look up the, the equivalent of, like, Wikipedia for Lord of the Rings, I don't know what it's called, but just the, the depth of these characters and the backgrounds and... And just the motivations from these characters and their family lines, and just like, oh my god, where, is this real? <laughs> All I know is the Lord of the Rings deck builder is like Cryptozoic's 
Oh, shame baby that just hide in the closet and every time we're supposed to give away a game I'm like can we please give away oh, the no. Lord of the Rings Twin Towers deck builder it's so bad did we play no we played the Hobbit that, yeah. w- that was okay I guess Hobbit's fine um, I know there's actually why don't we we got a couple minutes um, Lord of the Rings uh, this could also be a, a whole focus of a show just going through all the different games Lord of the Rings is kind of made but as far as board games go I think there are a couple that are considered to be very very good um, I think War for the Ring is generally considered to be one of the best of the Lord of the Rings games, and it's uh, I think it might even be a two-player game, um, but I could be off about that, but it's a, I think it's an, it's a kind of an area control type game where you've got the two forces kind of going back to back, or going after each other, and both have win conditions that are associated with it, and it's a fairly strategic little game with some bluffing. Um, and there's also, I think there was a decent game set on something like um it was in the movie of the hobbit remember when um i don't i think it's gandalf but it may have been the radagast uh goes to this this decaying sort of like tower and i think the first evidence of sauron's kind of return mm, uh yeah. i think there's a game based around that called escape from the necromancer's tower or the necromancer's tower something along those uh, those lines that's supposed to be all right but i could be misremembering beyond that i really don't know much about well, Lord of the Rings also is just like a licensing yeah. uh, machine. Mm-hmm. I had Lord of the Rings Risk when I was a kid. Yeah, I think that is that like who knows? Maybe it's an okay version of Risk. Is it, it was decent. Yeah, I enjoyed it. There was this sort of a a time limit where the Risk, the ring goes around the outside, so the games wouldn't go on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Already, that's like a bonus, right? A risk of Risk, which is interesting too about Risk is that there's been so many versions of it that it it's almost like they want you to play a game better than risk and they're doing their best to show you that they exist <laughs> but they it never quite they never quite just do risk the good version of it because they, there's no point they're what it's was already Brandon's been remade risk? 2049 or something uh yeah the the future risk that i played once and best it was the best game he's ever played the best would you say best game or was the yeah, best war game favorite game oh which it upset me that I don't think I'll ever see Brandon again, or I won't see him anytime soon. Is that there's, you know, and and when have you seen Hellraiser? Uh, no. There's. Uh, do, you, do you understand the concept behind Hellraiser at all? I know that there's a guy with a bunch of spikes coming out of him. Yeah, Pinhead, great character. There's a there's a scene when uh, one of his famous lines is, and uh, I, I may be butchering a little bit, but the gist of it is that they she opens the, the the girl opens up this puzzle box and summons these demons or angels, according to some, and they come out. And uh, the, one of the famous lines is, we have such delights to show you. <laughs> and I always think about that when somebody says something. Like, kind of like, oh, risk, risk 20. Let me open your eyes. <laughs> and then like lots of flaying and bondage and slicing and flesh and stuff. So, oh, geez, that went wrong. But... Delights. So yeah, well, that's what happens when you teach people your <laughs> games. <laughs> want to see my game room <laughs> my playroom <laughs> there's a um, decent meme that's kind of stale at this point of um, taken from Fifty Shades of Grey when so you've got Christian Grey talking to her and, and he's saying my my interests are unconventional and she's like show me and then you then you put whatever weird thing that you're into it's like one, one of them is like roguelike ASCII yeah. computer games <laughs> it's like I could, I could do that for a lot of stuff pillows <laughs> <laughs> There's not a mile. That's a good one. We should, yeah, maybe I'll play we with that. We should invest in the meme economy. Meme that's economy. Right. That one, I think that's an bye, undersold, bye, bye. <laughs> undersold meme. Uh, all right, so back to the subject on hand that we mentioned at the beginning. Kickstarter. Hmm. Joel, what's Kickstarter for those who have no idea what we're talking about? 
Mm, sometimes your car won't start and you get somebody to come along with some jumper cables and they kickstart you. Is that kickstart or is that jumpstart? I don't know. I tried. Um, Kickstarter is a website. And that website lets you take money from people. (laughs) (laughs) Am I wrong? (laughs) No, you're not Ron Walter. (laughs) So basically, you make a nice video or maybe some photos and you write some stuff and then people send you money. No, you're wrong already because that implies you've already created something. (laughs) Uh, You created the site or the page on the site. True. That's like half half the battle is just setting it up. Uh, for those who don't know, Kickstarter is a crowdfunding website that's probably the biggest name in the game. Uh, the other ones are like Indiegogo, GoFundMe, and then you can go into the more monthly type thing of Patreon, which is widely considered to be hipster welfare for a lot of people. Um, or just like hot girls getting money. Hot girls getting money. Like the, You look at some of these these people who are making – some of the in fetish websites too are like people with – making um, certain, like, choose-your-own-adventure games, but it appeals to a very niche uh, sexual predilection. And you're looking at the money, 30000 a month! Whoa! I'm, I'm in the wrong business! Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. There goes my rent. <laughs> there goes my rent. It's, it's meant to be something where you... Kickstarter in, in, uh, specifically is about putting out an idea. You don't have the money to make it right now, but you're saying, this is my proof of concept. This is how I'm going to do it. This is what's going to cost to make, and I want your help. And you say, yes, I'm a dummy, and you give them money. <laughs> it's the definitive, I've got an idea, but yeah. I'm broke. Yeah. But is it? Because there's all these companies on it. Well-established, rich companies yep. which have the money. Yep. They have the capital. So yep. why are they doing it, Jack? Uh, because they are smart enough to understand that dummies like me will offload, will, will take the risk from them and put it onto me. And companies like Double Fine, for example. Uh, Tim Schafer, who made some of my most beloved computer games growing up, uh, kickstarts games like Broken Age. Yeah. Why? Why? Come on, games. Make some of the, the, the biggest board games out there. They kickstart things like Rising Sun. Stonemaier. Stonemaier. Uh, kickstart Scythe and things. They didn't kickstart Shard of Stone. I'll give them that. Hmm. Um, they could have, and they could have done just as well, I think. Um there are definitely good examples of Kickstarters. There are definitely bad examples. Like the famous potato salad Kickstarter is a great example of uh, kind of pushing the system to absurdity where some person put a, a recipe for a potato salad, I believe, and it made millions and millions of dollars on – maybe not millions of dollars, but it made a lot of money on Kickstarter. Just people. Okay, but Jack, you see this presentation. You see yeah. a really good video. It's got uh, – maybe they've even got some pieces that they've made, yeah. and it looks great. So – you're putting money down because you're guaranteed to get a thing, right? Yeah, that's nice, Joel. Guaranteed. That's a great word. Wrong. <laughs> I don't have my clip ready. Scum. <laughs> Scum. It's, uh, there's no guarantee. There's no legal backing. You're at the mercy of the creators. So if they realize that they were drunken fools and they spent all your money on a riverboat casino <laughs> and then <laughs> that's that, sorry. How many – do you think there's a direct correlation where – if you post something on Kickstarter, um, your autoimmune—the uh, autoimmune, autoimmune of your family and everything—is greatly diminished, and like the chances of you or somebody in your family uh, getting a terrible illness is just—it's <laughs> just spikes. And, <laughs> it's like through the moon. 
I've never considered that. It's possible. You could. It seems to be the case. You're, you're invite. Let's just put it in a different way. You're inviting disaster upon yourself. Um, and I say this as somebody who's probably backed tons of Kickstarters, and we've talked about this a little bit personally. That um, it used to be, I'd say, around 2010, 2011, around that time, Kickstarter was crazy for computer games, and it still is to an extent. But I think it's calmed down. Um, and I had backed tons of stuff uh, for computer games, like ten bucks here, ten bucks there, fifteen bucks here stuff that sounded cool and I thought okay fine and I'd say probably 50% of those delivered and of those 50% of them were remotely good because uh, a lot of these games I'm still sitting on some that I backed maybe back in 2011 2012 that are at least they post updates at least they're saying they're making it I can appreciate someone taking a long time to make something I signed up for this ride I understand how it works uh, but yep. other things mm-mm they're they're done and you, you get knew the, your risk. I knew my risk and it's I'm and you get the the best one you get is the email from the person saying guys, I screwed up, <laughs> or there's <laughs> been a lot no of family idea what problems. I was getting into yeah, and it's true because it's you think that all of a sudden so let's say you run a successful Kickstarter campaign you've never done this before maybe you have limited experience in the field that you are embarking on if you have any experience all of a sudden you've got let's say tens of thousands of dollars. Shown up in your account. Oh, things. That's great. You've done the easy part. Now you got to actually produce. Uh, that's the line in Ghostbusters when they, after the Ghostbusters get kicked out of the university, and they 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 are walking down the street and it's like, I've been I've been in the private sector. They demand results. <laughs> that's the big <laughs> joke there. So now you've got to make something, and a lot of people can't do it anymore because you don't have any experience, and it was a one man job, and you realize that, oh, this is enough money to quit my job and, um, you know, work on my dream. So you end up with this thing where eventually they just you, – you either – if you're lucky – if you get somebody saying, sorry, I'm not going to be able to deliver, great. Consider yourself fortunate. Most yeah. people just – you never they flake. You never hear from them again. But you could say, okay, Kickstarter, there's big companies that are just uh, using it for free publicity and getting uh, yeah. chunk big chunks of cash they don't need. There's people that don't know what they're doing and they're going to fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on the flip side, let's say if it wasn't for Kickstarter, do you think um, – People like Mattel would still be running the show. Um, I I, I understand what you're saying. Maybe similar to, uh, let's say, what YouTube and SoundCloud has done for musicians, yeah. where anybody can get their stuff out there. Do you think Kickstarter is actually causing that service? I know there are small yeah. time designers, and it's not too bad to you know go to a printer and say, "Hey, I've made this. Can you?" And you do like the walk in record stores. Will you sell my tape? Will you sell my tape? Certainly, it's aiding people without the funds to get out there, right? It's, I would to say, some degree. yeah, I would say yes. Insofar as that, it, it's the ultimate market force. So, like, what I mean is that if you start a Kickstarter, it doesn't cost you anything. You put it out there. You say, this is my idea. This is what it's going to cost in my, I would hope. And this is what, you, these are the tiers you can back. For those who don't know, there's different levels usually with it. Like, there's usually a dollar tier where you can just, like, pay attention to what's going on. And then there are higher ones that go up. And, like, there's usually these stupid deluxe ones that are just for goofballs. I don't get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you put something out there and somebody wants to give you money on spec, for this product, congratulations! You've 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 sold something. You're a salesman. If if they don't want it, you failed. That's your that's on you. That's you just didn't convince. You couldn't lock it down. So is it? Does I think it democratizes something? Democratizes game manufacturing insofar as that if you it doesn't cost you anything to put the idea out there. And if I look at it and I like it, I can do that. You're not the mercy of going to Hasbro, Mattel, or whoever and saying. Oh, I want to make this game that's not risk. Door slams in your face, and you're done. 
Yeah, and I mean, it's not just games, too. I've seen, like, uh, cool sleeping bags. Oh, everything. Yeah, products. Uh, special coolers that uh, people have inventions, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. People don't have the money. So how, how often do you think it's it's a situation where, uh, A, they, they couldn't have done it without Kickstarter, B, they're successful, and C, the product is actually good? I don't even want to speculate. It's it's impossible. I would just be inventing numbers. As far as I not needing Kickstarter, probably, I think, a lot. If you actually... Well, I say that and then I think, like, what happens if you walk to a bank and try to get a loan for something like this? I don't, to be honest, I think most banks are too conservative to, and probably too rational to give you money for... I've invented a board game. (laughs) 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 They would kick you out real... Well, it's just like Dragon's Den. How many board games would they have on, like, someone trying to... Dragon's, this is the greatest board game ever, and it's, oh, no, it isn't. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you ever played Monopoly? (laughs) Yeah, that's what... You're denied a bank loan. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And then you go to jail, too, for... I don't know. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I think at the end of the day, it's if you can convince people to invest in it, great. If you can deliver, even better. Um, but it's entirely on you, both producer and uh, investor. And I, I say investor, if you could see the quotation marks, <laughs> they'd be there. Um, but I will put it this out in the dying moments of our show that, like I said, when it comes to software, I'll never kickstart something ever again. In fact, just to, just to put icing on it, System Shock 1 Remake, Night Dive Studios just declared that they are putting their kickstarted System Shock Remake on hold indefinitely because the scope grew, uh, or their, their project grew beyond their scope, which is. Beyond our scope. Which translates into we screwed up, we don't know what we're doing. Hmm. So that's one of the most high profile Kickstarter software Kickstarters to fail recently. And, From a, like a company with a lot of people that work there. With Yeah, ostensibly people working for it. They're a publisher. Like They own the rights to some of these games. They're making money, yet they've somehow managed to screw up. They changed engines halfway through development, which is never a good sign. Hmm. Switching from Unity to Unreal. Anyway, um, when it comes to board games, I will say I've had a much, much better track record so hmm. far of A, things being delivered. B, things being half decent, if not good, if not great. We'll see. Yep. Uh, and we've I just got Rising Sun that showed up the other day, which is uh, the come on Kickstarter that didn't need to be Kickstarted, but it did it anyway because yeah. uh, screw these guys. But the thing that's the other thing about if it's an established company and it's doing a Kickstarter, yep. you get A, you get early access. Yep. B, you get more stuff. That's C, it. Yeah. You get stuff that you won't be able to buy later. And that's sometimes where they're hooking they you. they sell yeah. it separately, but sometimes you can only get that Absolutely. through the Kickstarter. And that's it. And a lot of people don't like that because they feel like, oh, why are you ex- making things exclusive to the Kickstarter? Why can't I get this later? It's, well, it's like that's part of the risk. I, I get that you're frustrated that you can't get access to potentially some of this Kickstarter stuff. But at the same time, you could have backed it. You could have taken that risk. And I see both sides of this. But as the person who's actually getting something that theoretically is exclusive to Kickstarter-only backers, it's like, okay, that was my carrot. <laughs> you <laughs> yeah. can't have that carrot. I think one of the coolest perks I've ever seen in Kickstarter is Viticulture in that uh, the Kickstarter backers of Viticulture uh, are on the visitor cards. They have photos that they, of backers. What tier was that? Designers. That must have been something. Must have been a high tier. Yeah. But you can actually be part of the game. It's very cool. And that's great too. And uh, I've kickstarted um, Founders of Gloomhaven, which is a Euro style game by the Gloomhaven designer. And part of the backing was you get to name one of the buildings Ooh, that will be cool. in there. So we'll be interested to see what Jack uh, Scumbill. <laughs> <laughs> But Kickstarter, I guess, bottom, like, if you have to walk away with anything, uh, caveat emptor. Yeah. Uh, decide for yourself. Yeah. Do some research. Try not to go down that rabbit hole. We've all been down when you start looking at things. And We've all, all of a sudden, you're spending $750 on King Beth. For shame. 
I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Stay tuned. Keep listening to CFRU. Thomas King, and you're listening to CFRU 93.3 on your FM dial. Gosh, the stress from midterms and exams is really getting to me. How do you handle the stress, Andrea? I feel ya. I actually recently discovered the Carewell Health Group and have taken a few of their stress reduction classes. It's worked wonders. What's the Carewell Health Group? They provide allied health services out of the New Medical Arts Center at 175 Chancellor's Way, right by the Chancellor's Way student residence. They've got tons of services, including physiotherapy, psychiatry, massage therapy, specialized classes in yoga and tai chi, and much more. The best part is they're patient-centered, so you have an active role in your health care. You can learn more at cwmac.ca. Wow, that's amazing! I'll check out the Chancellor's Way Medical Arts Center today. If you consider yourself a friend of CFRU, but don't yet have a friend's card, what are you waiting for? For just a $20 donation or 